that's one of the big things about craft beer that it snuck up on the big brewers, you know, um, because they were quite hubristic um, about their prospects 20 years ago. Hubristic. How do you, how do you spell that? H-U-B-R-I-S-T-I-C, Beautiful. I think. Hubris. The act yeah. of being uh, overconfident and cocky. <laughs> Noun. Oh, no, it would be a verb, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, etymology. Thanks to Cryo Malt, local malt for local beer. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Pete Mitchum. I'm your host. And joining me on the airs today are the founding and current editors of Australian Brews News. Matt, did you hear me on the radio? Kierkegaard and James, I got a new house, Atkinson. <laughs> not joining us Not joining us this week is Cassie, my jokes are nowhere near as funny as profs, despite what she says, <laughs> O'Neill. Matt, good to be back. Thanks for holding the chair for me. Uh, we, we missed you, prof. Although Cassie did a, uh, a very good job of, of filling in. Um, as a guest commentator, and we're certainly going to be getting her back uh, when one of us is, is unavailable. Very passable. Although I did get a uh, hot tip uh, when the podcast came out. Um, She's got what? I got a hot tip that Cassie may not be Australia's first female some, uh, Cicerone. Ah. Yeah. Who's claiming the title? Well, and, and, and to be fair, the person involved didn't claim it. It was somebody else from a very uh, interesting source. Um, one of the uh, large brewers, uh, someone who works for one of the large brewers, um, just very kindly uh, suggest, you know, pointed out that it was actually Zara Pryor, who is the top dog for Brewdog, um, has been a sommelier or a Cicerone since uh, 2014. And uh, that goes back to when she was working for Brewdog, because Brewdog invests very heavily in uh, staff training. So she's Australian. She didn't get it here. So I guess Cassie can, st- well, although Cassie's Irish, so I don't know. So here it is. So Cassie, Cassie's not from here, but got it here. Yes. Zara is from here, but didn't get it here. So as far as I'm concerned, the title's still open. Anyone out there <laughs> yeah, who was there born here and wants to do it here, the title is up for grabs. Are there any get Australian uh, women who got it while they were in Australia? I do know. I think Roxy Roxy Bubis may may. I don't know whether she's got the Master Cicerone or or just. I'm pretty sure she has got the. Um, Pia's got it now, doesn't she? And Pia Poynton might too. Yeah. So there we go. We'll let we'll, we'll let them duke it out to say who was first. Making news this week, governments around the country are playing gangster rappers with the breweries and making it rain dollar bills. Uh, Guinness joins the hashtag MeToo bandwagon. Uh, and the bum sniffers crack a couple of beer deals with some interstate rivalry thrown in. And Miller Coors gets set to throw the first stone. Um, Matt, James, there's a bit finally happening. I, I think people have realised, oh, okay, so Radio Brews News is back on now. Uh, let's do deals and make news. Exactly, Prof. It's, it, it's been very easy to uh, compile the news list for this week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I listened to a, a very um, knowledgeable-sounding gentleman uh, on ABC Radio up there in Brisbane chatting about uh, particularly the news that you guys covered very well last week with uh, with, with the Brewdog deal as well as um, the South Australian government, as I say, um, throwing money around as well. Um, really interesting, Matt, because I, I think it's... It's easy for, I guess, um, and look, I don't want to sound, you know, big noting, but but for somebody, I guess, on a more strictly emotional level to look at it and say, that's really bad that the government's giving money to an international rather than giving it to a, a local brewery, possibly, as you suggested, missing some of the advantages that can come from from just the fact that 
the wallet's open now and it's towards beer and and production in the local area um, you know, to get the ball rolling. Absolutely, Prof. I'm just going to preface these comments because there seems to be some confusion about what my position is. I think it's really exciting that BrewDog is coming to Brisbane. Okay? So before I start getting emails saying that to stop bashing <laughs> BrewDog, uh, as, as has been uh, my week, um, I think it's very exciting for Brisbane. I think it's a really great thing for beer drinkers and I think it does a lot for the local craft brewery scene. Brewdog is a fantastic brewery. They're making some great beers. They're very exciting. They contribute to the beer landscape in oh so many ways. But I can hold two thoughts in my head at the same time, believe it or not, Prof. Well, that comes with opposable thumbs, Matt. That's what I say. But yeah, so look, I mean, it's a really exciting time for, for Brisbane and but the Queensland government can't just say, hey, isn't this great? We got uh, Cameron Dick on TV having a beer, looking like he uh, knows what he's doing with a really cool international brewer and do nothing for the industry. And the industry has had absolutely no assistance. And yet Brisbane's beer scene is just flourishing, you know, despite the, the, the lack of attention. And, you know, I guess comments like that draw, oh, yeah, well, if they're doing well, why do they need government help? And, you know, I'm not talking about you know, making it rain, just even having the tourism, that the state-run tourism bodies recognise that there is a craft beer precinct and putting that out the, the way that they've got brochures for the wine industry. Um, the, 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 the wine industry um, has a college of wine tourism up in Stanthorpe, which is fantastic, designed to benefit the industry and help it grow. Um, Queensland brewers can't even get an endorsement on their licenses to go to a farmer's market or a food festival and sell a beer to cover the cost. They have to give away no more than I think it's 50 mils at a time, whereas wine, the wine industry can turn up. That is my criticism of the BrewDog deal. I've been sort of copping a little bit. I've been described as being xenophobic. Uh, protectionist. Protectionist. Unethical. I was told that I was unethical because as editor of Brews News, I wrote an opinion piece on the ABC that was full of my opinions. So I, I, I don't know what they think an opinion piece is, but it was an opinion piece that I was actually invited. No, I didn't ask them if I could write it. I was asked. Anyway. Love BrewDog. Love you guys. Can't wait. My, my thought too was that, yeah, okay, that, that money was, was for a specific project. It wasn't to foster beer, you know, specifically in, in Brisbane. And I guess the other side of that coin is, well, what do you do then? Do you, do you give $10 to every small brewery that's licensed as a producer in, in Queensland? Or, you know, like how do you how do you turn that money into, instead of giving it to the, you know, the overseas multinational, how do you give it to, you know, the small local independent family-owned business without disappointing some of them? And that's the bigger point, you know, like on one hand, government should be providing an environment in which industry can flourish and succeed. That doesn't necessarily mean giving cash grants to businesses. Um, Look, I'm absolutely sure that on occasions there is a reason that government can give low interest loans as Big Shed Brewing Concern got. And even, you know, what is in government terms, a relatively small handout, $50,000 to assist them with it. Um, And and the point I made on ABC Radio this week is you've got, you know, like a a brewery like CUB that makes 42% of the beer in the country. Um, Their annual reports or their website says that they employ 1,600 people in their business nationwide. Now, that's a pretty good-sized employer. Stone and Wood, which makes 1% of the volume that CUB makes, 
employs 140. So that's not saying CUB is better or worse, but if government wants to create jobs, you can see that you know, just the inherent inefficiencies in small breweries makes them really good employers. Um, you've, you've got brewers that are making you know, 500,000 litres with four or five brewers. So it is a good employer. And if you're looking at creating employment benefits, the government should be you know, creating an environment in which small brewers want to be setting up. Exactly. James, anything to add on that before we move on? Obviously, this week, the, the Pirate Life um, news has probably been met with a, a more hostile reception from people in the industry from what I've seen, um, questioning, you know, why the fact that they, you know, since being taken over by ABI, it should really have, the government should have been looking elsewhere for, for a company to give assistance to. Yeah, particularly since the Port Adelaide uh, brewery was was on the cards and, and was basically unaffordable until the AB InBev check landed, um, allowing them then to do it. Thus, yeah, again, the average listener would look at that and would, would, would hear that and say, well, that negates the need for, you know, a massive government injection of, of capital because you haven't you already got it kind of thing. Um, so it's it's same same but different. And the other thing is that they've sort of they've sort of said that they wouldn't have been able to do the full hospitality side of that venue without the assistance of um, of, of the government. But then you've got ABI very aggressively rolling out Goose Island brew pubs all over the world, and I don't think they're skipping on what they're doing with those. They're very impressive venues. So um, I think if Pirate Life wanted to do a hospitality venue you would have thought ABI would make it happen. And that's where it's very hard. And the media releases are designed to spin the decision. And, and we saw that in Queensland where you know, BrewDog was, the, the numbers over 10 years, I think they're talking about 235 jobs being created for whatever assistance the government's giving. And I can't, I mean, I personally can't make those figures work in my head when you look at, you know, say, Stone and Wood, which is the best, the easiest example. Um, they're upwards of 12 million litres currently. They are a nationally prominent brand and they employ, I think, 140 full-time equivalents, maybe a few more um, in all of their um, ventures. Where are the BrewDog jobs going to come from to create that 235? I, I can only see it as being as part of their rollout of the um, BrewDog bars. Yeah, the hospitality side of things. And I can't see that um, as being exclusively in Queensland. That you know, the, um, you know, given that they're no, no, no. 50 no. around the world, you're not going to have you know 15 in in, in Brisbane. Yeah, and you don't need you know you don't need 50 brand ambassadors, do you? And and like you say, if if, if they do, they're not all going to be. Uh, you know, wandering around the Brisbane CBD, bumping into each other, are they? Yeah, to bring it back to Pirate Life, it's the same thing. You sort of think, well, if the numbers stacked up for CUB, they would build that, you know, brew pub as part of it. And you have to take it for granted, well, maybe that they wouldn't have if it hadn't been for the government. And then is it in the government's interest if they're trying to activate a precinct and make it, you know, like a fairly quiet or dead precinct, try to activate it? Um, and make it more exciting. Having Pirate Life certainly does that. Um, but then you, you sort of start getting into the issue of, you know, should government be trying to pick winners? Um, and do we leave it to government to try and pick what are the interesting and vibrant um, industries to attract to, to a certain area? Because you can point to a whole lot of areas that are pretty woeful um, when it's left to the government to, to make those decisions. Yeah, as we suggested, that it's been a while since I guess uh, we've we've associated you know government with handing out money to to breweries, whether they be be big or small. Um, 
it's even more rare that um, sporting codes have sort of embraced, I guess, the smaller end of beer. We've seen plenty of sponsorship for, uh, you know, VB for the for the cricket team and, uh, you know, Tui's for the rugby league state of origin team, 4X for the, um, the Queenslanders. Uh, good to see two uh, announcements this week, one with the, uh, both in rugby union, one for the Waratahs and one for the Reds, which seems to be uh, pretty good for um, local breweries. Waratahs? Was it the Waratahs or was it the Wallabies? Oh, was it the end is the Wallabies, was it? Okay, fair enough. Cool. Um, so, Matt, talk us through uh, Newstead picking up. Because Newstead, I think, have, have had some – is it some stadium sponsorship and now there's a, a specific um, sponsorship through the, the Queensland Rugby Union? <laughs> Mate, to be honest, I don't know. I'd, the guys from Newstead posted photos. They started teasing it two weeks ago and started posting photos of the Newstead signage around the ground. And I said, oh, this is you – know, contacted them. This is great news. Um, guys, can you tell me about it? Oh, no, we can't say anything about it yet. Hold on. Well, why are you <laughs> posting on social media? That's, that's probably not the place to keep it quiet. Um, and then we got the embargoed media release this week that was we were told that was being embargoed because the QRU wanted it um, kept quiet until they had their big announcement. And, again, I thought that it had already been announced. Maybe this is why Queensland's doing so well at the rugby at the moment because that's the level of the QRU strategy. But, yeah, look, uh, apparently they are the craft beer supplier um, of the QRU. I'm pretty sure that that doesn't mean that uh, they're the official craft beer partner. So I'm presuming that Forex or one of the, the, the big brewers is still going to have a presence there. But, you know, if you want a craft beer, it'll be from Newstead. Um, and they're going to have a mid-strength in a unique package to christen the QRU partnership and it'll be available at Ballymore Stadium alongside Newstead's Golden Ale, Pale Ale, and other beers from its range. So, look, you know, exciting. Um, and to, to be honest, despite the shit canning that there has been for Yenda, um, and I certainly don't have a torch to um, bear for Yenda, but if, if I'm going to a football game and I can get anything other than a mainstream lager, I'm most likely going to choose it. And I think ultimately it's, it's great news. Happy days, I reckon. And on the back of, you know, Gage Roads deal at the, um, the Opera Stadium in Perth, um, Colonial Brewing Company with, I think, I'm pretty sure it's only signage and, and advertising, but at, at, um, at Essendon home games in AFL down here, I think it's just at Etihad Stadium for, the, for their home games. Um, but at least, as I say, it's, it, you know, the, there's a crack in the door. The door's open. Um, Gage Roads has its uh, Sydney Rugby, Sydney Sevens sponsorship as well. So, yeah, look, it's all really positive signs. Looks like and, a groundswell. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing is it's great for, for beer because if people can go to the football and get exposed to it, it's great for these breweries. And the other thing is it's great to see these small breweries are starting to get the size and the scale that they can actually enter into some of these arrangements. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's there's nothing more frustrating um, as... You know, I, I do quite a bit, Prof, and I'm sure you do, that when you're sort of contacted by a food festival or an event and, you know, they, they want to get craft beer into it. But a lot of these events, a lot of these sports grounds are only economical if they get a big cash injection from their, their sponsors. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the Commonwealth Games uh, on the Gold Coast is a great example. There's been a whole lot of breaking stories this week that Queensland Wine is being excluded, and uh, I, I would chip in and say Queensland Beer is getting excluded. In in the case, Forex is the sponsor, um, and yes, Forex is a state brand, but it's owned by um, a, you know, a foreign company. That's just a you know, not a criticism, just a statement of fact. 
the government loves to tout when they do a big event like the um, Commonwealth Games about, yeah, this is going to be fantastic. It's going to put Brisbane on the map. It's going to put Gold Coast on the map. It's going to expose you know, a whole lot of uh, our products to international visitors. And yet, in the pursuit of sponsorship dollars, they then lock out the small local businesses that could most benefit from that exposure. So any corporate event that's being held, um, presumably, is only going to feature Forex. Just on that, Matt, too, a, a quick shout-out to uh, a neighbour of ours from the Ecker from the last uh, five or six years, Justin and the crew there at, um, mm. at Fish Shack and Longboards, who I saw posted this week uh, of being forced to, you know, all take uh, RDOs. Um, for a bit, the two months across the um, the Commonwealth Games, they're they're there in the um, uh, boardwalk, Queen something centre, wherever it is, where their one of their um, venues is. Uh, yeah, it's kind of closed off and having to all close down for the. So is that, is that in a similar sort of thing because they they're not sponsors or or is it is it just traffic? Traffic on the um, Gold Coast Highway is appalling at the best of times, and the uh, trains that run down there are apparently crowded. Um, as well. So trying to get people from Brisbane down to the Gold Coast is going to be a nightmare. And then you see all of these impositions on small businesses that are going to close or take a, you know extended holidays because their, their business yeah. has got to be closed. Um, you know, and God knows how much the uh, government shells out to bid for the Commonwealth Games and then to stage the Commonwealth Games and build facilities that are pretty much you know, used once and then they become community assets with a much lower um, degree of use. I would much rather they, you know, God, God knows how much the uh, sponsorship would be for um, Lion, but I'm imagining it would be south of a million dollars um, given it's a you know, two-week um, event. I would much rather the Queensland government forewent that pissy little amount of money and said, look, this is a great chance to get our local bolter, um, Burley Brewing, uh, Black Hops, get those beers you know, out before an audience and you know, do some good with this money that we're already spending anyway. But th- these things are very complicated, uh, despite that very simplistic, because Peter Fielding from Burley Brewing is on the Commonwealth Games board. Um, so you know, they've got a great person flying the flag, but I think that's just the nature of any big event. They need to chase dollars. Yeah. Um, and I'd much rather see the government investing in uh, you know, adding a little bit of you know, a, a zero to the check to uh, make sure that small businesses get the benefit. So uh, if you're on the Gold Coast or if you're a local, get down there and support those local businesses before they have to close down. Do them a favour. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. What's in a name, boys? Miller Coors and and Greg Cook. Stone, Keystone. Keystone, not Stone, Keystone. Keystone, yeah. Have you guys seen this one? I have, yeah. So Um, I can can kind of, I mean, I don't really think that anyone's going to be like, you know, actually confusing them in the marketplace um, like he's suggesting. But I also think that, you know, they are taking the piss a bit the way that they've, the way that they've 
you know done that it's it's sort of it's moving away from what their trademark is and it's encroaching on stones for sure and that's where it's really interesting because james i don't know whether you've seen all of the comments uh i think it was late last year you wrote a story about carlton mid dropping its um alcohol content and just randomly we get these people um who have obviously googled the, the fact that you know, they, they've noticed that Carlton Draft is lower alcohol and they've Googled, they've come to our site and they have been posting these hateful comments about, oh, that's it, I'm not drinking Carlton Mid anymore, CUB, you've lost me, I'm going to go and drink Great Northern these days. <laughs> <laughs> we also received the same messages about Tap King, even though it was deleted about three years ago, which <laughs> yeah. sort of goes some way to explaining why Tap King failed if it's been three <laughs> years since they like actually used their unit and they've only now gone into Dan Murphy's to buy a replacement, um, yeah. you know, a refill. Um, and then they're sort of asking us, like, can we, you know, how do we get the refund? And I think, oh, I think you've got Buckley's chance, mate. It's um, probably closed a couple of years ago. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that we're safe at uh, bagging uh, those comments because I think it's fair to say that they're not listening to the podcast. But yeah, like, you know, so prof, on you know, that hand, you sort of think somebody is so upset that they don't want CUB getting any of their money because CUB has dropped the uh, ABV of Carlton Mid. I'm going to go off. And drink another CUB product. That's <laughs> I um, sort of think there is potential for confusion because the people who would be making that purchasing decision um, are fairly, um, you know, unsophisticated when it comes to the mechanics of beer. The thing that I find interesting, though, is that I've seen a whole lot of ads that predate Stone, um, Stone Brewing um, that refer to Keystone as Stone. You know, the Stone Zone was a football precinct. So, and it, apparently it was a young person's beer. And so, you know, they did call it Stone um, and shorten it to Stone. So, it, it's going to be a really interesting case to, to stand back and watch because they you know, whether it's um, trademark or whether it's uh, passing off. So, where was Keystone? Was that like a national brand or was it a San Diego or, or even? Southern California or even California brand or? I think it's a cause brand from Denver, from the Rocky Mountains. I think that's that was part of it. I, I, look, again, I, I can't, I, I didn't look that deeply into it because, you know, it's something yeah. that... No, I've just got the article up in front of me. I can't see, so I wasn't familiar with, with Keystone as a brand. And so I, I sort of reading it thought, okay, they've all of a sudden started calling it Stone um, as a way of either thumbing their nose at at, at, um, at craft and, and Stone brewing in particular uh, or whether it's just one of those you know pack refresh that that just happens to oh you know everyone calls it stone let's just call it stone but people were calling it stone before and and i've seen sort of point of sale stuff um called you know referring to it as you know apostrophe um stone that predating stone when stone brewing opened up in 96 which was you know 10 or 11 years after keystone hit the market why didn't the owner, if it was Miller's cause then, or an independent, or you know whatever it was, uh, why didn't they say, oh, you know, you can't call your stone? We've kind of already got that as part of our, you know, uh, IP. Well, I, I don't think they did have it as their IP. I think they just referred to it, and the the beer market has become much more sophisticated these days. I think uh, you know, stone probably wasn't even on their radar when they started because craft beer. That's one of the big things about craft beer that it snuck up on the big brewers, you know, um, because they were quite hubristic um, about their prospects 20 years ago. And it's only been in the intervening period that craft beer has um, burst their bubble a little bit. Hubristic. How do you, how do you spell that? H-U-B-R-I-S-T-I-C, Beautiful. I think. Hubris. The act yeah. of being 
uh, overconfident and cocky. <laughs> Noun. Oh, no, it would be a verb, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, etymology? Funnily enough, in, in the world of great coincidences, um, I'd seen a couple of tweets from Greg Cook last week. Greg loves to, to beat the drum, despite Stone being, I think, the, in the top three brewers, craft brewers in the in the US um, and having, you know, two in terms breweries of scale, in the States in, in terms of size. scale. Um, yeah. And uh, then also Stone Berlin. Um, you know, he, he loves to sort of talk about, you know, keeping the faith and being honest and being having integrity and uh, all of those things. And uh, there was just a tweet that I you know, just sort of uh, rankled me a little bit last week where he sort of talked about um, insidious creep, about how businesses might you know, start standing for one thing and gradually sort of water that down. And I just sort of tweeted him, sort of, uh, said, you know, insidious creep, that's a great description for the gradual erosion of, uh, of values. Does it cover, we will never send our beer to Australia? And then changing, <laughs> adding six months to your use-by dates and sending your beer to Australia's longest warm distribution channel. Um, and he, did, he, uh, he didn't respond too well to that. He, uh, he, he responded by sort of saying, uh, uh, again, my journalism uh, uh, ethics were criticised a number of times last week, but he just sort of said, good journalists would check their facts. Uh, bad journalists uh, just say whatever they want. Uh, Hopefully you're the former. If if so, get in touch. And so I got back and so I said, "Hey mate, absolutely, I'd love to chat. You might remember that we talked about this six years ago and sent him a link." And uh, then he sort of, you know, made, oh, you know, thanks for checking in every six years. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, but you know, again, the, the the interview that we did with him six years ago or seven years ago, there was no nuance to his statement. There was no room. No. All of the, you know, anything that he's likely to to be saying has changed. Was all canvassed and it was no i'm not going to do it but, but he was saying back then he was saying look please don't buy our beer if you find it there because we're not sending it here but now that they are sending it there isn't that a different no no we'll see go back and go back and listen to the podcast prof because he said and i said well okay i, I can understand why you don't want to send it why, why you don't want them drinking it gray but there's obviously demand for your product why don't you send it over here and he said because it's too long a distribution. To send it cold will make it too expensive. Australia's already an expensive place to, to drink it anyway. Um, and, you know, just so people can have one or two bottles and then move on to the next best thing, and we're going to have a lot of beers mouldering on the shelves and going out of date, um, don't do it. Um, and I said, well, you know, isn't that for people to decide whether or not they're willing to drink stone that's, you know, been got four or five months on its uh, date? And he said, no, if I saw you drinking my beer that had been warm stored, for six months, I would slap it out of your hand. You know, it was, it was just there was absolutely no room for nuance in in what he'd said, in in, in my view. So you know, arising out of that, I've now got an interview with him next week where we're going to. Uh, so beer is a conversation the week after. It may well feature Greg Cook talking about ah. um, sending beer. So I, had, I, I I thought I'd announce that scoop on uh, uh, live, but uh, yeah. So you so you guys um, are obviously avid uh, fans of my tweeting. Yeah, don't mention me because I'm still friends with Greg Cook. All right, so just keep me out of it. Oh, man, I'm great. I'm, I'm friends with Greg. Cook. <laughs> oh, I'm, you know, I, but I, it won't I you know, be, it won't was, be for long if you keep that fucking attitude up. Well, no, I was, I was posing a reasonable question. You know, like what, um, what has changed? But I, I, I find it really interesting, and it's and it's true of um, now. This is not Brewdog bashing. Just so anyone who's listening, but I found it really but, interesting for both Brewdog and Stone, who are two of the. Uh, you know, I see Brewdog as being inspired by Stone in a lot of ways, but you've got two people who talk about you know, having this passion and this fury. They're also the people that seem to have very, very thin skins, and if you ask any questions, it's not 
their first response hasn't been to discuss the issue. It's been to criticise the person and you know use labels like ethics and xenophobia um, rather than actually talk about the issue. And I thought that was a little bit interesting. But anyway, so uh, Greg Cook. We'll look forward to that. If you want to see the tweet exchange, uh, it's on at Matt. Like me. I'm funny. He's here all week. Try the veal. (laughs) And to be honest, it's probably the best place to follow me because I've only got 140 characters. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, Guinness joined the uh, the hashtag MeToo bandwagon this week and, and are going to use Galaxy and Simcoe and Mosaic in their, um, is it their Hophouse 13 lager? Yeah, it's, 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 it's actually, not the um, is it, James? It's definitely a new product. And actually, I, I qualify that by saying it's a new product in Australia. It was actually launched um, overseas in 2015, and it's gone absolutely gangbusters for them. I was just reading um, just just this morning. It's done really well uh, and has helped the company sort of, I suppose, temper the, the decline of, of its flagship product. Um, Guinness has, you know, lost a hell of a lot of volume, particularly in Britain. I think I saw that it's lost 50 million litres over the last few years, I think between 2008 and 2014, um, which is just really because it's, it said that the article I was reading was saying it struggled to maintain its position as the stout. Um, I mean, it, there just would be so many other dark beers out there now, the rise of craft beer, um, and yeah, they're really feeling it. So I think the Brewers yeah, Project was- is sort of a, you know, a new range of beers that they, you know, just experiment and try new products, and this has been one of the more successful ones. I actually tried it on, on uh, Friday. And um, it was quite an enjoyable beer. It was it was on the sweeter, fruitier side, very low bitterness. But yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I, I could definitely have a couple of them. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys in your sort of professional opinion: is it the decline because it's uh, because Guinness as a brand is sort of seen as a as you know old, established, traditional, and and, and perhaps a bit beige, um, or is it because? Yeah, if I wanted to drink stout, that was one of my very few choices, and and you could get it, you could get it everywhere. But now I'm moving away from it because there are so many more yeah, local offerings. Which is, or is it a little from column A, a little from column B? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I think it's really the same you know the same thing that has led to the client decline of Bud and VB and all of these products that even though Guinness is, is much more characterful drink than than those are, but um, I think. You know, and especially for a company that only has essentially one product, um, that's that's why they've found themselves in a fair bit of trouble and, and have to sort of innovate and come up with, with new alternatives. They have been one product. All products go through a life cycle. You see it with a beer such as VB. Um, but then also you, you need to look at, you, you don't see the faux Irish crack bars opening uh, Crake, Crack. Um, <laughs> I know what you mean. Crake, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Plastic McPatties. Yeah, yeah. Plastic McPatties pretend Irish pub. To you be know, sure. There was a time when every shop, you know, strip mall um, hat, or you know, every big party pub in town was designed around that, um, which in itself has seen the beer, you know, get a cachet about it that it's not necessarily Irish. It's Irish party bar, and it's also a franchise beer. It's you know, brewed twenty five places around the world. Everyone knows that it goes from Lion to CB to whoever whoever does it. Um, it was interesting to hear uh, Cassie's observations last week uh, about it. Now, and I think all of that goes to see its decline. You know, it's not necessarily seen as authentic anymore. Yeah. In terms of uh, upcoming events, uh, the Bruce Vegas program 
was released, given that you are the local and, and heavily involved in that scene, talk us through it. What can we expect this this year? What's new? Mate, I was actually just uh, going through and uh, having a little bit of a look at it. It's uh, a very exciting uh, program. Yeah, but the Bruce Vegas is Brisbane's showcase. It's in its fifth year. It's not-for-profit, very much driven by the passionate champions of the industry um, you know, in, in bars, but it's a really much a uh, all-welcome sort of event. So I'm just going through it uh, at the moment. Crafty is up here with Pine of Origin. Yeah, Poo, always, always popular. Always and popular. And it's good to say that, you know, um, in the last few years that, you know, Poo has travelled. Um, Scratch is doing some, you know, a lot of the, uh, the the really cool events are the ones where it's not just beer related, but they're looking at other creatives. And Brisbane has this really thriving uh, creative underground. So you've got the Scratch Scratch's offspring, which is Netherworld, which is the pinny, pokey, pop culture um, bar. That's... I wouldn't say pokey, as in P-O-K-E-Y, as in it's... It's neat and, po- and it's got little pokey little corners, but not pokey Sorry, machines. Sorry, I didn't mean to say pokey. I meant to say pinny. Um, pinball. Pinny, yeah. Pinny. You know, okay, okay, game. Yeah, okay. And sensational. Really. Not pokies. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, they do some really cool things. I think last year they did a – they turned the venue into – if you're into uh, role-playing games, they turned it into a role-playing um, game where you would turn up – get your uh, quest and go off and fulfill the quest elsewhere in the in the bar which again uh, really really great fun um, taking over the whole event so um, and actually another one that caught my eye was Topher Bame is up and doing some stuff at Craft which is a they do very small events but they're always really really cool events looking at you know fermentation and you know because it's a, it's a wine beer cider and they look at the whole fermentation so yeah no it's a great the, the program's out jump online bruisevegas.com and uh pick your event pick your journey excellent and i'm sure you will post a link to it on um in the the show notes i will and uh all you have to do is go to the bruise news and we've uh, given them some advertising space so you can just click the uh, big banner at the top of uh, bruisenews.com.au we're good like that speaking of which in the mailbag this week people like what we do which is great and sometimes they even write in and tell us that they like it. Matt, you um, you sent a uh, shared a, a letter that we got from Daniel Massey. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. One of the few that we get that's not from, I guess, a you know a, an associated brand or material supplier or whatever, just from a, a, a business that's that's got nothing to do with beer. So it was a, a pleasant change as well. Good to see that we uh, you know we extend outside the um, the circle or the, the bubble. Um, hi guys, really enjoy listening to you guys discuss the news as well as the in-depth interviews you do in Beer's Conversation. Uh, felt the need to write to you to say thanks for the Brewdog interview. Matt did a really great job of asking some pointed questions and didn't let them get away with brushing the question. I'll certainly be interesting times ahead for the craft scene up in Brisbane. Uh, and he points out one thing that nobody has touched on is the effect it will have on Phoenix Beers who currently distribute the product. Uh, be keen to know their thoughts on the matter. Actually think some uh, beer as a conversation with some importers, distributors would be really interesting. Keep up the good work and looking forward to Old Man Yells at Cloud or whatever you decide to call that segment, which we will get around to. We're just running it through legal at the moment. And uh, <laughs> also, I just keep I just keep batting away uh, requests from uh, one very prominent person in the independent beer biz who is almost paying me to to name names. So, and if you're going to do it, name names. I'm, I'm, so we, we've just got to have a bit of a production meeting about that and we'll get well, back mate, to you guys. But no, um, don't, don't, don't hedge who wants to name names. Oh, name names. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve Jeffers. Well, 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 if someone's going to put their name to it, then name it. Then name them. All right. Well, if it's so in a closed it. group, though, where does that leave us from a sort of... Oh, so that, 
ethical, yeah, an ethical standpoint. Yeah. Well, even in a, you know, people you may end up meeting in a dark alley at a beer festival at some point in the future aspect to it as well. So we'll just, uh, not that I'm suggesting any of them condone violence or would uh, impart it upon us, but, um, you know, you just never know, do you? Just w when you're dealing with cockheads, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, yeah, so interesting. Uh, we have had in the past, we've we've spoken to quite a few distributors, haven't we, Matt, in, back in the early days? Maybe it's time to, to revisit and Phoenix might be a good place to start in terms of... Um, yeah, does it does it does it help them that they you know they've now got uh, in addition to a lot of their international brands they've got an international brand that is you know brewed locally. Are they keeping distribution though, or is Brewdog then going to put its own people on and do it all direct? That's what I don't know. But I guess if you want to know what um, Phoenix think, um, you can pretty much jump into the comments section of Brews News or even in uh, this week into my uh, LinkedIn profile to sort of uh, see. <laughs> They've got a couple of sales reps that seem to uh, take exception to anything that I say about Brewdog. Oh, Jesus. There's again. So, uh, shout out to Todd Barrack, who is a good, a good I, friend. Todd, Todd's so a great you, guy. Can no, you not upset? No, no, no you I haven't upset Pissed him Todd. off as well? No, 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 I haven't upset Todd. That, that's that's why I can't work out. I, you know, I've always sort of had a great relationship with him, but there are one or two sales reps who seem to want to fire up um, whenever <laughs> I sort of mention. But anyway, um, that, that's the thing. I would have thought that um, Phoenix, which has at the moment Brewdog, also has done great things with. Uh, Sierra Nevada has a you know look they were the place that I used to go to you know uh, for any craft beers that were available in the country yeah 100 percent yeah same same absolutely uh you know have driven the the, the craft beer industry um and have been great uh, distributors um of these beers but yeah no, I, I don't know what the arrangement is with Brewdog whether they'll continue to do it for a time until Brewdog um engage their own sales reps I think Brewdog does have a Sydney rep um, already, or they've, they're working with somebody um, about that. But you know, that's I think that's just the inherent um, nature of being a distributor. A lot of the small craft distributors talk about you know you sign a um, new brewery that starts up, you build it, um, and distributors really do invest a lot in the brands that they carry, as, as do the brewers. Um, and then suddenly a brewer will grow, go to a stage where they can afford to take it in-house and have their own reps. Um, and you, know, you get distributors feeling a little bit disgruntled that they haven't, you know, don't get to reap the benefit of their work. It's the nature of that relationship that, yep. you know, sometimes you, you start something off and then you get, well, now I'm kind of standing on my own. I'm, I'm past being a toddler. I want to walk on my own. Thanks for your help. But, you know, I'll take it from here. Um, whereas others go, yeah, look, happy to leave it in your hands. And, and, and they chop and change, you know, from, from, from one year to the next. It's a bit like contract brewing in that regard as well, because as soon as you do a great job with, you know, if you're a contract brewer and you do a great job for a, for a brand and they, they build up their volume and they become profitable enough that they can build their own brewery, then you've lost them as a customer. The risk that you're going to lose them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that Phoenix is a sophisticated enough operation that they would have, you know, either planned for this. Brewdog have made no secret of their um, plans in, in, in regard to Australia. It's been a sort of at least six months or even longer that they've been identifying it. So, yeah, so, look, I'm, I'm absolutely Phoenix certain. Phoenix has got a huge portfolio as well, so I don't think that they would live or die based on losing, you know, one brand. Mm. Uh, and there are always new new players coming onto the market that they could, um, you know, foster relationships with. Thank you for your email, Daniel. He's left an address. A bar blade has been sent to Daniel. Dispatch. So, yes, so if you would like your very own limited edition Bruise News bar blade, uh, shoot us a note, uh, an email, send us your brickbats or your uh, praises. 
And when Matt says limited edition, he means limited by how much you can sneak through the metal detector at the <laughs> airport. Um, and for those wondering at home, and I had to explain it to a couple of reasonably concerned looking blokes, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a big assumption here, but I'm going to assume that they were from a um, non-drinking background and, and had... I had to do a lot of explaining as to what the purpose of, of the bar blades were. So they were um, but I got them through. So yeah, so I'll I'll send you know if you if you if you're Melbourne based, I'll um I can send a couple from here. Um, so yeah, they're limited only by the amount that Matt and I can carry on a plane. It, it's a little bit the same when you go through. I, I did a PO cruise last weekend, a food and wine cruise, and I had a couple of Clipsil bags with freshly opened uh, Galaxy Hops. Um, and there was a bit of an aroma <laughs> around my bag. And when they saw the bar blades that I had in the um, in, in the bag, they opened it and suddenly they see three Clipsil bags of green leaf material. And uh, yes, that took a little bit of explaining as well when you're getting onto a uh, P&O cruise. Yeah, but uh, and thanks to our friends at P&O Cruises who, um, who do have very warm hands, I believe, Matt. <laughs> and are very gentle. <laughs> That's it. Uh, all right. So... Uh, on that, James on just that, got it. On that rather unpleasant <laughs> note, uh, we bring episode 158 to a close. Thank you very much to all of you for supporting us, and don't forget to do all the usual things that we ask you to do. See you all next week for more fun and frivolity on Radio Bruges News. Thank you, Matt. No worries, Prof. Love you, Brewdog. And thank you, James. No, thank you, Prof. Have a good week. Um, I'm off to uh, Amy Park tonight, although it's probably the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium because I don't think it's a sanctioned NRL match. It's a World Cup club challenge between the mighty Melbourne Storm and the Leeds Rhinos. And I'm hoping, given it's not um, a regular home and away season game, uh, that rather than the mid-strength swill that is normally available, I might even be able to pay $9.50 to have um, a schooner of Furphy. So wish me luck. I'll let you know. Good luck, Prof. And we're out.